So heaven, part number three, I've done my best in this study to eliminate all speculation as much as I possibly can. I don't want to speculate. I want to take what the Word of God says and let you know what it says and expound a little bit on that. I don't want to do what the Christian movies and Christian books often do where they embellish and sadly, immature Christians who do not know the Bible come away from reading those things or watching those things, and they have what they believe is truth when in fact, I mean, honestly, about 85, 90% of it is all just made up. We have this idea we come away with a depiction maybe of, of Jesus, of how he acted in, in things, and in one way, I appreciate people doing that. But in another, it often leads us confused and not accurate. And so I've done my best to eliminate uh, speculation throughout it because who really cares what I know anyway? <laughs> I mean, really, a, th- a hundred years from now, a thousand years, nobody's going to be writing a book about Chris Barrows and you know his wonderful thoughts he had. What really matters, what really matters ultimately is what the Bible says. And so... I, I hope to accomplish that uh, in the lessons as we look over this. Here we are, part three. The two previous lessons, there's a lot of foundational things in the first and second lesson. This is moving on to specific things we know about heaven. And if you're here for the first time listening to this, I encourage you to go back. We do have it on our Facebook page, church website, YouTube, all that. You can go back and watch part one, or if you happen to be listening to it right now, I'd encourage you to start back from the beginning, if that's possible, and get some of those foundational truths about what heaven is, why we believe in heaven, uh, the different uses of the word heaven in the Bible and the different meanings behind them. Also, uh, heaven's a physical place. It's a tangible place. It's something that we can actually possess, and we are going to physically be there. And a lot of good things, a lot of good things about that, I just don't have time uh, to get into it. And I did mention in that first lesson and also in the last lesson, I mentioned about the new heaven, I'm sorry, heaven and the new earth. And I'm doing my best in this lesson right here to talk about things that happen in heaven, happen in heaven. And some of those do relate to what's going to take place on the new earth with new Jerusalem. However, just so we're all on the same page and the same mindset, I've done my best to keep it uh, to, to that. So. The slide that we finished up with last week, which I didn't have too much time to get into a lot of the details of it, so I'm going to just reiterate this last. I had three points underneath it. We're looking at three verses in Revelation to give us a a peek into heaven, and we'll look at each one of these verses distinctly. So Revelation 6, 9 says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, and for the testimony that they held. What do we learn from this verse right here? When these people died, they were relocated to heaven. There was no purgatory. Purgatory is not in the Bible. So when a Catholic says they believe in purgatory, I say, show me. It's not there. There's no praying people to get to heaven. Once you are there, you are there. You can't change your destiny once you've arrived either in heaven or if you've arrived in hell. And 
when, the, when people die, they go to one place or the other. Absent with the body is present with the Lord. We do not believe in soul sleep. Not going to reiterate that from the last lesson, but we do not believe in soul sleep that we're just going to lay unconscious uh, in our bodies, just be dormant until the resurrection. That's not going to happen. Not from what we see here. Another point here is that they were the same people that were martyred. A statement by Randy Alcorn says, you will be you in heaven. Who else would you be? <laughs> I mean, it's not a very profound statement, but it's, it's a truthful statement. You will be you in heaven. Who else would you be? And if, if me, Chris Barrows, if I'm a man on earth and no longer Chris when I get to heaven, then in fact, did I even go to heaven? My essence go there? No, I am physically going to be me in heaven, and you are going to be you. This is not uh, Hinduism where we get reincarnated into something else and our life just continues to go on into another essence. We, I mean, it's encouraging that I'm going to continue to live forever, but it's also convicting because if I'm going to be me, I'm going to take with me, as we'll look here in a minute, I'm going to take with me my identity and what I have done in this life. The resurrected Jesus, he did not become somebody else. He remained exactly who he was before the resurrection. He did have a new glorified resurrected body, which was different than anybody else who had been resurrected before. He was the first fruits uh, from the grave. And so and Luke 24, 39, to make the point about Jesus was the same person, he says, behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye have seen me have. He says, it's me. It's the same guy, the same person you knew three days ago is me. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. He made a definite statement identifying that Jesus was the same person that he remembered. My Lord and my God. John, when they were out there fishing in the boat, Jesus called to them, out on the shore, and John, seeing Jesus, said, it is the Lord. That's John 21, 7. Was he different? Was Jesus different? We would say yes, absolutely. But he was the same person with the same identity, which is an important thing to remember. And so we will have the same identity that we have on earth. And people do not become different individuals relocated. They are the same individuals. They expressed themselves. Am I on the right? Maybe I'm not on the right slide here. Hold on. I know I thought I had more on that. Hold on. I'm out of order here. I feel like Pastor Bill. <laughs> Aha! I think. Ooh, there it is. Okay. I found it. Thank goodness. Forget you saw that last line. Because I got more on the previous line. The same, they were the same people that were uh, martyred. Hebrews 12, 23 says, To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. This was describing things in heaven. And to God, judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. 
So they were the same people. They had just been glorified. Imagine, if you would, a, a garden, a rose garden, we would say in particular. And imagine this, that this rose garden had become diseased. Maybe there had been uh, bugs or parasites that had gotten into the soil and it had been corrupted. Maybe weeds and thorns had grown up into this rose garden and caused the rose bush to start to decay and start to uh, disintegrate. And, it, and when you looked at that rose garden, it was nasty, overgrown and unkept. And a gardener, he would go in there. You, you could be Bob Maxwell. Is he here today? No, you could be Bob Maxwell and just chop the thing down, chainsaw it. We don't give, we don't give yeah, Bob the Butcher is what we call him. We do not give him a chainsaw at Gospel Baptist Church because everything will be leveled. The gardener doesn't do that. He doesn't do that and just replant the whole thing. What he does is he takes what's there and he begins to pull out the weeds. Maybe he begins to incorporate some new soil. He goes and he takes his little snips and he begins to prune the rose bush and pieces come off and things come out of it and new things come in it and he invests time in it and he waters it. And when you step back, months later down the road and you look at that rose garden, it's not a new one, but it kind of is. That's what, it's, that's what we are going to be like in heaven. We're not going to be a totally different person. We're going to be the same person, but just a little bit different. And so the next thing, they remembered, oh, oh no, oh no. I hit the wrong thing. Here we go. We got to go back through this again. Sorry about that. The last one I told you not to look at. They were remembered for their lives on earth. They had a testimony. They were remembered by the testimony which they held. And by the way, it's important to note that which they held, not that which was given to them or they were told that they had, which they held. I mean, they could verbalize that this is what happened to us. They were martyred for their faith, their personal history extended back to their lives on earth. Think about this. How could people, how could we be held accountable for our actions in this life? 2 Corinthians 5.10. How can we be held accountable for our actions in this life if when we get to this, we don't remember anything that we did? I do believe that God's going to wipe away, I mean, new heaven, new earth, God's going to wipe away all tears. Isaiah as well says the same type of thing. I believe that, but I also believe this as well. So how does that all work together? I'm not quite sure, and I'm not going to make necessarily a definitive statement on that, but all I know is we are going to be held accountable for our actions, and from what I see here, and what I'm going to show you here in another moment, is that we are going to remember what we did in this life. Uh, judgment would be pointless if we didn't. I would almost say that it would almost be unjust. It would almost be unjust if that was the case. And so the doctrine of judgment, eternal rewards, it all depends on people retaining their distinct identities from this life to the next. And we will probably actually remember more than we did in this life. We're probably going to have some thoughts come back to us that we wish we didn't. Lazarus was comforted, Luke 1625, this is Lazarus who had uh, not the one that Jesus raised from the dead, but the poor Lazarus. It says in Luke 1625, but Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest 
uh, thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. So comfort implies memory that happened. If Lazarus could not remember his previous, why would he have comfort? Why would he needed? Why would he have needed comfort? And also, we notice here, not only do people in heaven have a recollection of what happened on this life and with them specifically, but also people that are in hell remember as well. And even he remembered not only himself, but he also remembered his family as he cried out and asked to you know, go back and uh, you know, tell them not to go to that, this terrible place. The works of the saints followed them to heaven. Revelation 14, 13 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may not rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Are we going to remember things in this life? Absolutely, 100%. We're going to go to heaven. That can be, uh, we're going to go to heaven, and we're going to remember our previous life. Is that going to be a blessing? Or is that going to be something not so good? Depends, I think, how you lived in this life. Because I believe we're going to be conscious of the reward that we have. I think each of us in our minds are going to know what we could have done, what we should have done, and what we didn't do. But we're also going to be really thankful of what we did for Christ. The next verse. Remember, these are all details we get just from these three verses here. Revelation 6.10. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Some good things to be learned from this as well. They expressed themselves. They were not up there dormant. They were not like a vegetable. They were not without knowledge. They were not without emotion as well. They cried with a loud voice, can, can suggest that they exist in physical form. Yes, we are, we are waiting for the resurrection of our bodies. Um, how is that all going to work in between that point? No speculation. I, good question. But it seems to be that they exist in physical form. Also, when we look at, we would say, the rich man in hell, he saw. He saw. He asked Abraham, what did he ask him? For a drop of water to cool his tongue. So in some way or another, we are going to, it seems to be that we are going to exist in physical form. They raise their voices, indicates that they are rational, communicative, and emotional. And they're even passionate about things, which often does not, is not what my mind goes to when I think about heaven. It goes to all those movies and little cartoons and little snippets I see where you're just floating around. I don't know if I'm the only one, but that, that seems to be what my mind often goes to, that there's just nothing to do floating around here. Not that we're, I mean, I get the idea that they're aggressive. I mean, crying out. I don't think that they were just saying, hey, God, please, uh, hey, when are you going to get a chance? They cry with a loud voice. I mean, almost to the point of wailing. I mean, really trying to get uh, God's attention. They were passionate about it. Uh, in Scripture, God is said to delight. We see that God loves, he enjoys, he rejoices. He's also, by the way, angry. He can be happy, jealous, and glad. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, 
Now we are the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. I don't think it's an overreach to say that we're probably going to possess the same emotions that God possesses in heaven. To where he is emotional about things, why would we not be emotional as well since we will be like him? We're going to have emotions, but the difference is, is that these emotions, they're going to be pure. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. That'd be nice when I'm raising my kids that my emotions would be pure. <laughs> They're going to be accurately informed. Oh, so many things we get upset in this life about, don't we? And we get emotional about, and we're not fully informed about what's going on. I just, when I was driving the bus <laughs> here, I'm not sure if Nick, you saw when we were right at the little dog park on West on uh, East Terry, there was a woman who was turning, taking a left from a light, and she had a green light. But there was these two guys on the bicycles that were crossing the sidewalk. And what she didn't see was that they had pushed the, the crosswalk button. And the timer was ticking down. But she, taking that left, is supposed to yield. Now, if you don't know this, this is a good point. It could save you from killing somebody. And I'll even say that the two guys were actually being good. They were even walking their bicycles across the street like they're supposed to. And this woman... She rolled the window down as she about ran into him, you know, and as they walked by, she's just giving them the what for. I don't know what she was saying, uh, but she was after him. I know that and was not happy, but she was ill-informed. She did not even realize her emotion got the better of her. She didn't have, she didn't understand the full scenario about what was going on. And I was thinking about this lesson and, and I think, wow, I wonder if someday she's going to know, like maybe about that one situation. I don't know if that's the case or not, but when we get to heaven, our emotion is going to be pure. It's going to be genuine. It's not going to be with evil motive behind it. They were seeking justice. Uh, they were seeking for Christ to be glorified and that the evildoers of this world would not uh, triumph. And so our present emotions are clouded by sin, and we'll all agree with that. Misconception, as we just mentioned, and mostly immaturity. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are as a Christian. We all tend to be immature at some time when it comes to our emotions. But thankfully, we're going to be delivered out of that. Praise the Lord. The next one, they are fully conscious and aware of what is going on. Not only are they fully conscious and aware of what is going on in heaven, which often is the depiction that we get when we think about heaven and look into media and many things that portray heaven, that we are only focused on what's going on there, but they were actually conscious and aware of things that were happening on the earth as well. Not only did they know, but they also, they had an interest in what was going on and what was taking place. Later in Revelation, an angel declares that Babylon is brought down, and it says, Rejoice over her, thou heaven! And ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. Will they be able to see every detail of what's going on? Do I think that they have, you know, are looking through maybe a skylight down here? Seeing, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm not sure about that. We do have Romans 12, which tells us that we have a cloud of witnesses around us. Are they informed, such as this angel goes and reports back and makes a big declaration that 
God has delivered justice to the evildoers of this world. Not exactly sure on all those details, but they are aware and they are concerned and they are interested. People in heaven, do they know what's going on in the earth? Here's another example. King Saul, we know he went to the witch of Endor. Terrible decision on his part. This was after Samuel had died. And most of you know how the story goes with calling Samuel back to the uh, back from the afterlife. And God permitted Samuel to go. And when Samuel came, he remembered what Saul had done. And he was aware what happened since he had died. He was aware what happened on the earth since uh, he had died. And of course, then uh, the Christ, that story is found in 1 Samuel 28, 16, 19. I'm not going to look at it for time's sake. But he was aware of what was going on. During the transfiguration on earth, we had Moses and Elijah who, who appeared. And they were talking with Jesus. And they spoke about his departure. They were talking about the uh, fulfillment of prophecy and what he was going to do in Jerusalem. And they seemed really aware from what we read about the drama that was unfolding uh, in this life and what God was going to accomplish through it. Luke 9.31, if you're interested in that. So are we going to be aware of what is taking place? I can pretty much assertively say yes. Yes, we will be aware. Another thing, they are capable of learning which is another thing that we is often a misconception by Christians, is that when we get where our minds are going to be illuminated at a place where we know everything, that does not seem to be the case when we look through Scripture. They are capable of learning. How do they know that? They ask God questions. They said, how long, O Lord? They didn't know the answer to that. They knew how everything was going to unfold. They knew that, yes, they were going to be avenged, but they wanted to know when it was going to take place. How long, O oh Lord? They desired, um, they were constantly developing. And I believe that that's going to be a theme throughout not only heaven, but also the new earth where we are constantly going to be diverging into new things and new categories. They were not satisfied, which was also another characteristic I would not give to heaven on my own without the word of God. They were not satisfied. They wanted justice. I mean, they wanted something. They wanted it badly to where they were crying out with a loud voice. They were not satisfied. We often think when we go to heaven, everything's it's just total 100% peace. Is that possible to have peace, but also to not have satisfaction? I think yes. I mean, don't we as believers often have peace during turbulent times in life? Can't we experience to some degree heaven on earth because we have Christ in our life and he offers peace to us when difficult circumstances come that we don't know all the answers to? We can confidently say, yes, we have peace, but we also don't have total 100% satisfaction all the time. I mean, we're going to have feasts that we partake of in heaven. Many experiences, and I mean, if you have no desire, you have no uh, desire yearning to eat at all, why would you, what would be enjoyable about sitting down at a feast with food? Not sure. How's it all going to work out again? Not sure, but I do know that they are not totally satisfied there. And again, they didn't know everything. We already mentioned that as well. Verse 11 uh, mentions that they were informed about what was going on. The last one that I have for this is they remembered they were murdered. You say, well, you already mentioned that, you know, they remember things from this life. But I wanted to point this one out specifically. 
because it makes an interesting point that not only did they remember you know good things that happened but they also had a remembrance of bad they remembered that they were murdered that's not a good memory again when the new heaven new earth are made where God's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes is that going to be wiped away at that point not sure can't totally definitively say however i know at this point before that happens they were they knew the bad and the wrong that had been uh, committed to them as well as Abraham and Lazarus. Lazarus, as we mentioned before in Luke 16, Lazarus, it says, you know, he was treated well. He remembered being treated, I mean, poorly, I'm sorry, and you were treated well, and, and the rich man remembered that as well. But also, also, Abraham had a conversation with the rich man, as well as the rich man could see Lazarus. So if the rich man could see Lazarus and Abraham could see the rich man, I'm sure Lazarus as well could see across that great gulf that was fixed into hell. And so it was still paradise for Abraham and for Lazarus, even though they looked and saw that rich man being tormented in hell. How is that possible? I have no idea. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. I have no idea whatsoever. I know God is God. He's the God of the impossible. He can do amazing things. I don't think anything is too hard for him. So heaven can still be heaven, even though we know about bad things that have happened. Even we know possibly that loved ones, people that we knew, are even in hell. Heaven is still going to be heaven. We got one more verse, but we're just about out of time. I don't want to rush it. And so next week, we'll jump into that last section. Followed by that, we're going to look at some big picture characteristics of heaven. Hope you look forward to it. Let's pray. We're thankful once again to look in this topic of heaven. We're privileged that we're going there. We're so thrilled that uh, we know that we can know that we have eternal life. And I do pray that if there's anyone here that's not sure about it, that you would uh, make that utterly, utterly clear to them by the end of the service today, that they may know for sure they're going to be in heaven they die. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.